then again, many of us do, don't we? That's the way to go, right? I want to be oblivious when I die. I mean, I think some people think they're prepared, but they're actually oblivious. Hmm? Ooh. Hmm? Getting ex existential pen cast. Deep. Deep. That would be the first. Ah! <laughs> Are you ready? Um, no. But we were just discussing that. No, I mean, are you actually ready to shoot now? <laughs> yes, I'm as ready. I'm as ready as I possibly can be. <laughs> Not you personally. Is your camera and audio working? That's all yes, I care about. Yes. Okay. All right. This is garbage we, is being recorded. Why don't we document this nonsense? All right, let's get, let's get into it then. Yes, sir. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to episode number thirty-three of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet, and I am Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about what we do when new products don't sell that well, the purpose of oblique nibs, good fidget pens, and we have our amazing customer care rep bk join us to talk about noodler's base state blue and we also spotlight the twisby mini pens and we got a tip for you on nib alignment all kinds of great stuff you know drew normally with these intros i try to stick to three things but i was like we got a lot of we got a lot of good stuff to talk about I you feel just like, couldn't do it i feel like we should mention more things and then people are more likely to look and be like a two-hour pen cast the heck are they talking about and be like oh it actually is kind of a lot so there's some stuff yeah yeah. And some surprises. Oh, you and I will be surprised about what we end up talking about. There's no question, Always. but there you go. That's oh, yeah. our introduction. <laughs> every, every week I, I see some comments in the YouTube section that reference something that we said that mm. makes absolutely no sense to me. I have no doubt that one of us said it, <laughs> but someone's like, oh, like I you, loved it when they were talking about, you know, the, 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 the unicorn buckets. And I'm like... Mm. huh You're okay like, I, I don't remember talking about that but i believe I, i'm sure i did but oh yeah absolutely at, at that, that, that's when you know that like there's a serious lack of you know uh, vocal discipline going on on this pencast speaking of feedback though let's get into some all right our first little nugget of feedback came from a few people via instagram via youtube and i just wanted to let those of you know who are curious about ink mixing that we have discussed mm. that here on the pencast and I actually took a little slice and sliced it out so I will put it in the link above for you um, and then David says this from YouTube love the pencast I usually listen to it via Spotify but for some reason this week's edition was only 20 minutes long sorry David and if you like David like to listen to the audio version of the pencast specifically via spotify we did have a little bit of a mix up with our files and a 20 minute file got uploaded instead of the full you know 13 hour file that, that we should have uploaded <laughs> so we did fix it and spotify specifically took longer to update so you should be good if you did want to catch last week's episode having missed it simply reload and the full thing should upload i have tested it and we're good to go david went on to say sorry drew but the lamy 2000 is the most Brian, what? Hmm? He, this can't be right. I'm sorry. There's something uh, wrong, wrong with your uh, script uh, there? No, no. David accidentally said, sorry, Drew, but the Lamy 2000 is the most overrated pen in history. 
Something must be uh, wrong there. I don't understand. No, no, David, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> first of all, whatever happened to you while you were writing this, um, I hope you've recovered um, because this is just... We've got some we've got some words, David. He says the lobby studio is the far better pen. David Ooh. David Hey Come now. David is just proving that there is no one right answer to anything that we ever talk about. Uh-huh. David mm, David's I, I like the studio, else. don't get me wrong. Oh come on, the studio the, the studio in the two thousand. Also also o- most overrated pen in history. I mean, come on. Have you that, seen the Mont Blanc one forty nine? I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa. I'm just Whoa. I'm just I'm just saying it should be in contention, right? You could put you could put the Homo sapiens up there if you want to. You could put the 149 up there. Like there are so many pens. Not the 2000. David. Mm. David. All right. He says he used his Lamy 2000 a month before he sold it. But he hopes that he's still allowed to watch the pen cast. David, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I think it's up is. to me. I think so, but he needs to sit in the corner <sighs> and face the wall while he listens to it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being honest david i'm glad you feel comfortable enough with us to be able to reveal this this horrific secret of yours um all right does anybody does anybody else truly think that the lamy 2000 is overrated though i, I do want to know um so that i can um oh i'm uh, sure not be, i'm not sure be your friend people anymore. think it's overrated most definitely uh, well yeah i mean i guess a pen that popular is going to have a lot of detractors haters gonna hate drew mm. All right. Well, either way, I did want to mention the, the podcast thing, the 2000 thing. I'm still working on that one. Rita sent us a comment and said, I do so look forward to your pen casts. Had to pop in and say that I really prefer Brian's hair more natural like today's. Oh, sorry to Whoops. disappoint you, Rita. <laughs> uh, I cut it and gelled it. It's Boo. far less natural. Well, so much for a servant of the people. For what it's worth, Ra- Rachel does not like it natural i mean it's not like she prefers it gelled necessarily she doesn't like it when i let it grow out as much as i had before that was that was the longest i've had it since like mid last year when yeah. i went like five months without the pan- a haircut. The pandemic flu pandemic cut yeah that was my um, i had a little mini one i had a little omicron plumage going on <laughs> omicron uh, plumage <laughs> i love it um, well, Rita went on to discuss how she was fascinated by my coin collecting, our hypothetical Goulet pen, and mm. complimented your, your lazy Susan Bryan. But the thing I wanted to mention was uh, when she says, I think I've made up for all the times I never comment, LOL. I've been with you for about 12 years or so. Bought Boom. myself a bunch of ink bottles for my birthday when I turned 60. I'm almost 71 now. Wow. And have been watching videos for a while before my birthday, back when you were doing videos in your house and working out of your garage and dining room, I think definitely an old goulet fan so the fact that that's cool you know i mean the fact that she's 71 now on youtube commenting when she doesn't comment a whole lot and that she's been with us for that long like that is a she rita shout you out like that is fantastic thank you so much for sticking with us for that's pre me so i i wasn't even around here 12 years ago that's a huge deal that's good stuff yeah i mean i mean I'm still shooting in my house right now, but you know, hey, that's cool. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much. That always just makes us smile so big. And um, then finally, we got a drawing from our friend Emily, who decided to depict Brian and myself as Schultz-esque peanut characters. So oh, yeah. um, I'll put that up 
as well. So you can take a look at that. I found that to be quite humorous and perhaps a little triggering since Emily so kindly decided to artistically render the traumatizing <laughs> office prank that I was a victim <clears throat> of when mm. my office was invaded by demon gremlins known as Dots Candy. Mm. That was, uh, mm. you know, really, dots. really had to... Making me hungry, Drew. No, no, no. Just talking about no, Dots, yeah. No, one, yeah. no one wants those. That's all right. I'll just pick some up at basically any place that I stop because they're they so readily available. They shouldn't be any place. They're they just, shouldn't I, be. I can they get them anywhere only I want. be in the funky, weird candy section of Cracker Barrel, and that's it. That is where weird candy likes to hang out. That's where it belongs, with the little paper things, <laughs> the little, little candy things stuck to the paper. Anyway, that's it for me and feedback, Brian. Do you have anything you would like to share? You know what? I do, Drew. I got some feedback. All right. Um, you know, last week we did specifically ask for ideas for a theoretical Goulet pen, we got a lot of great feedback. I want to thank you all. And we've already designed one. I'm kidding. No, we have not at all. Um, but uh, some of the, some of the, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of lump them all together here. Um, but uh, we got a lot of feedback saying that we should make a good quality starter pen. I think that makes a lot of sense. We have a lot of intro type videos here, a lot of educational stuff. Makes sense. Um, an entry level, entry level gold nib pen was highly suggested. That one would be a little tougher because all the entry level gold nib pens I know are all from companies that make their nibs in house, mm. you know? So that would be a little tougher, but who knows? I still think it's very intriguing. Uh, something unique, a unique filling mechanism or maybe a unique material. Filling mechanism would be tougher, but the material probably that could be an avenue that we could look into. I don't know. Um, also some opinions for not doing one at all. Which I think is kind of interesting. And that's kind of the argument I was, you know, leaving the door open for myself was to not say like, oh yeah, we definitely have to make one. It's like, well, it's kind of not necessarily what we do. Like I, I like collaborating. I don't know. Do we have to actually make one ourselves? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, we also got some suggestions for bringing back the <laughs> Pilot M90 Mayu Murex as an exclusive GPC pen. Oh, I've asked, believe me, <laughs> believe me. I was like, I don't even care about the price. Just make me that pen, I would do it. Whatever minimum quantities you need, like I just want that pen back. And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll see. And uh, uh, the white waiting. whale. Yeah, we're going on like six or seven years of asking for that, but you know what? Persistence can pay off. So who knows, but I think that's pretty cool. Um, Girly Droid said, uh, RE diluting sheening inks. A few weeks ago, I realized that my pen had only a few drops of Season's Greetings left in it. Diamine, Shimmer Tastic, uh, uh, Bop, Chip, Chippy, uh, Ink Vent. There you go, color. Yeah, blue um, edition. Yeah. It dried up a bit too, so the smearing was terrible, but I had a few bullet journal headings to finish. So I thought, what the heck? Soaked up a few drops of water and tried it on Tomoe River paper. Guys, it looked awesome. Sheening plus a beautiful shading shifting from red to green. I'm totally smitten with this concoction now and can't wait to try diluting the other diamond sheeners. I thought that was pretty cool. So, you know, this one, not sure how like scientific it was because it was like one that had dried up a little bit and then got reconstituted. So not sure how diluted it was, but I'm gonna trust 
Trust Girly Droid here that it was more diluted than the original solution was. I think that's what we're that's what we were talking about. Is you know, do you still get the sheen on a sheening ink if you dilute it? I think the answer is yeah. Depends on the paper though. Tomoe River. I mean, that will make pretty much like dirty sink water sheen, you know, because it just repels everything. So you know, I'd be curious to do a little more testing, but uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see when Drew gets to that. Because uh, I like to commit him to doing things ah, on video. I actually, I actually did. I have um, season's greetings in uh, my um, uh, one of my pens, but I have uh, a winter miracle in my Twisby, and I actually wrote a letter with this today on Tomoe that I had stashed away. And mm. oh my god, nothing but sheen, nothing mm. but sheen. It was like a yellow ink. Sometimes you could see purple, but man, crazy. Nothing That's but sheen. Nothing. It was it was like mm. Charlie and Martin combined. It was insane. Whoa, that's a lot of sheen. I tell you what. Um, one more bit of feedback here from Hawk Al Dolphin. Took me a second to actually distinguish that handle, but we got it. Hawk Al Dolphin. Uh, if Brian never slept or ate, he would have more time and can finally clean his pens. <laughs> that was in reference to our hypothetical from last week where we asked, would you rather kind of like not have to sleep or eat or something like that? That's right. Oh, that's right, Drew. We have a hypo- I have another hypothetical that I said I was going to save Oh, for this okay. week. We forgot to put that in the notes. I'm just remembering. Oh, we'll work it in. We'll work it in. All right. I will not pay attention to Drew as he's talking so that I can go dig that one up somewhere. All and right. Maybe I'll repeat exactly what he said, not realizing that he just said it because that's happened multiple times. But... Anyway, with that comment, that's all we got for feedback. Now we're going to ease on into new stuff. So new stuff. Uh, I think we mentioned last week that we're starting to see some more new things coming in in February. It's definitely not as dried up as January was on the new product front. Um, Had some pretty exciting things happen so far already. Not the least of which is a Retro 51 exclusive that we teased out a while ago but didn't give any hint as to what it actually was except for the fact that it was the one that i probably personally have spent the more time on than any other pen and drew i don't know because we record this a couple days in advance i don't know if we're still going to have this pen by the time this thing publishes i'm guessing probably not so we can chalk this up as to another pen that we are talking about that we are going to sell out in the period between when the recording happens and when it actually publishes so um anyway we'll at least talk about it because i think i think we're talking about reordering and getting some more yeah Um, it won't be gone from the website so if you are if we are out and you do want to sign up for the notification list as with any of the products we mentioned today Mm -hmm. in the in this section go to the website find the product page and sign up for notifications we will let you know as soon as it's back in stock exactly But what the heck are we talking about? It is fire and dice. So this uh, was an idea that was birthed from the the gamers in our company who are into board games, RPGs, you know, just kind of not with any specific game theming in mind. But we were basically like, what is every iconic kind of role-playing game, you know, uh, theming that we can cram into one pen? So we were like... Dragons, you know, dice, like D20, all these things. Um, And uh, it was a lot of fun to put this together. But I will say, having to understand and communicate to the Retro 51 designer 
about specifically where the number placement should be on every single die as it's shown took so much back and forth and all these other little details. So I really hope we got it right. I consulted because I'm not a huge, huge like gamer myself. So I don't like, I don't have these dice. I was looking online. I was trying to get feedback from everybody, but basically every time we would do another iteration, I'd be like, okay, wait, we changed the angle of that die. Is that a three or is that an eight? Which one is that? Because like somebody's going to look at that and be like, that's not right. And I didn't want my name on that. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. But the thing I will say is it's while Drew, just like, just like fountain pens, there are, there are a lot of things that are in common, but not every like D20 has the exact same configuration. There are some like more common configurations. That's what we went with the most popular configuration, but there are some that may vary. So some people may be like, that's wrong. Look at my die. It's different. It may be, but I went with the more common ones. Anyway, it was a lot of fun to put together. We're thrilled with how it came out and uh, we're going to look to reorder, but being realistic, it's probably going to be several months before we can get more, which kind of stinks, but we had no idea how popular it would be. Turns out it was really popular. Go figure. Gamers are passionate. What would you, who, who would know? How would you know? Um, so anyway, we got that on the site. You can check it out and see what you missed or what you have on the way. Either way, we'll try to get more. Um, we also have heard about some of the new Lamy special editions that are coming out. Um, so that's pretty cool. We were able to get some samples of these in advance, which is awesome. It's not always the case we're able to do that, but we've been able to coordinate it more often than not in recent years. So thrilled to do that. We already have a video on the All-Star White Silver, uh, which is the 2022 special edition. It is a silver pen, very light colored silver pen. So we got that, you can check it out. And then we also have up on the website, the Lamy Safaris. Uh, plural strawberry and cream so they're up on the site i've been waiting to publish the video we were doing some editing a little bit back and forth so i don't know if it's going to be out yet but if it's not by the time this video publishes it'll be out really really soon and that one you know we have the all-star in stock the safaris we don't yet but it's maybe next month or so. I don't know exactly. So the video we're will be hoping, out for a little bit. We're hoping it'll be uh, toward the end of next month, yeah. Yeah, it's usually in like the late March, early April timeframe. So we'll see how that goes. So we have a little bit of time on that one, but at least you can check it out and make some ink recommendations, compare it to some other colors of pens. So it should be pretty informative. I mean, it's an all-star in a safari. It's, you know, pretty well-known. We've got well some really great pen. pictures for the safaris too. Yeah, yeah, we did. Glenn did a great job with those. So, yeah, there we go. That's what I got, Drew. How about you? Um, I have some stuff. I will say no specifics yet, but we are going to be getting some new sitcher, sitcher stickuations. Sticker mm. situations happening. Uh, some new ones for the website and at least one new one with a pencast-related inside joke. So, yeah, I think uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, it's that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so get excited about that. We'll let you know as soon as that's available. And Conklin has put out a new all-American fountain pen. This one, in a, additionally, in addition to, hey, whatever. It's another wood pen. That's what I meant to say. It's a wood pen called the Pau Preto, which is also known as um, African, what? Uh, African blackwood. Blackwood. African blackwood. It's not black at all. It's more of a... 
Uh, it's a lightish brown wood, but with kind of like a hint of green, right, Brian? It's kind of got this kind of mossy of look to it. The, col- the I, color can vary quite a bit. I know, really love the, it. I yeah. think that it has like a warmth to it that other wood pens that we've had in Conklin, uh, in the Conklin zone haven't had. So I really like the pen. The uh, If you've ever had a pen that uh, dried out with the Conklin wood pens, uh, we have reason to believe that this one has improved on that factor. So... Um, the, I looked inside the cap, and there is some additional workings in that cap. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to look to test those pretty soon, but uh, if you are hesitant, you know, perhaps this one's the one you want to give a shot to. So um, that was cool to see. Always nice to see companies, you know, take advice, try to improve their products, even with really popular ones like the All-American. Speaking of popular products, the Visconti Homo Sapiens has some new members of the Demo Stones family, which, mm. uh, as you may know, they are resin Homo Sapiens fountain pens with the uh, you know double reservoir power filler, and they have a stone permanently affixed to the top of the cap, kind of where the My Pen system usually is, but instead they put the My Pen system on the back where the plunger is and they are going to be now available in an amethyst which is a purpley and a mandarin garnet which is an orangey and they look really good one of my favorite things about these brian is that Mm. while they are demonstrators they are incredibly vibrant demonstrators Mm. and i love it when pens do that they kind of say let's not make this so clear because we also want this to be vibrant and i love when pens do that yeah Uh, because the more clear you get the less vibrant you get so i personally would rather forsake vibrance for sorry rather forsake clarity for vibrance i'm into hmm. that i think it depends for me i think uh you know I, it I always it depends for you it depends yeah i think always like most things i can pretty much get excited about <laughs> pretty much any pen that i ever see that's true but yeah yeah i appreciate that no they're very good looking pens um and the sailor wicked witch of the west 1911 mm. series is now mm-hmm. complete because they added mm. the King of Pens, mm. which previously was only available in the Wicked Witch of the West um, standard and large 1911. Yep. Now the large Kahuna has entered the fray and it is gorgeous. So yes. check that out. The pictures are beautiful. It's a beautiful pen. If you're a fan of the Wicked Witch of the West already, this is the the top tier version. And that uh, I'm trying to think. Granted, we haven't had Sailor all that long two years mm-hmm. um this is the first black ion coated king of pen size nib that i can think of unless i'm that we've sold something. that, that we've, we've sold, sold yeah. right yeah mm-hmm. i don't I'm, I'm trying to think if they've done it on any others maybe some like special editions and stuff that no because uh, but, but for some pretty... reason for some reason we didn't do a stealth a stealth green king of pen uh, I think we could have. Mm. Well, I, no, I'm trying to remember. Okay, so yeah, we did. Yeah, we did, we talked about that, but I think the quantity required was substantial, uh. and it was either that it was a huge commitment, and we weren't sure if demand would be there, or it might have been that they didn't have capacity to do the nibs in the black ion or something like that. I'm trying to remember. I, I remember we we brought it up and we discussed it, but it was either one of the two. It was either their capacity or it was like a pricing thing that we just couldn't meet what was required. Well, we are going to be carrying the uh, um, King of Pens when we do Stealth Brown later this year. Right, Brian? 
Stealth Brown. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Should I have not have said that secret, super secret uh, pen? That's okay. No one's going to be excited about that anyway. <laughs> so you didn't really spoil anything. Oh, come so on. Stealth uh, Brown. Stealth Brown. Pro no, here. We, we have learned that when Drew talks about brown things that you you at least get some people excited just from your yes! just raw enthusiasm. Stealth Brown. Or maybe it's pity. I don't know which it is. No, bl- it is. A blend. It is unity. It's a 50-50 blend of enthusiasm and pity. But either way. Nonsense. You know what, Brian? I will also say, when you when we were talking about the Goulet pen comments, I had more mm-hmm. than one person say, hey, Goulet pen sounds good if it comes with a Droulet toothbrush packaged <laughs> with it. So, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. eventually when we do that, we'll, have, we'll be on like episode 297 of the PenCast. And it'll just be packaged with a, a series of inside jokes that we've talked about over the years. <laughs> we won't be even from speaking the English. People, people just open up the box and be like, what is this nonsense? <laughs> like, is this, is this like leftover items from a yard sale or something? Yeah, like, but there'll be two this? people that really get it and truly like it. Like, ah, I know what this is. <laughs> That's right. And I've been be, very bored every Friday for 20 years, yes. so I get it. There'll be two oh, people. God. That will be you and me and no one else. I, you know what? I actually have um, read <laughs> Some comments about people that do the pen cast Saturday morning as like like time to clean the house. Um, mm. That that's that's a pretty common thing. Hmm. Um, so that like, was it for hmm. new stuff. Oh yeah, I was gonna say like cleaning the house. Like I have to do this activity that I don't want to do anyway, so I might as well just listen to these guys since yeah, you know it's better than doing something I hate with nothing in my ear. There you go. All right, I'll take it. We can I'll take make it. make anything fun. We're like I'll take we're it. like. Pity and enthusiasm. That's yeah. our, That's the secret ingredient for this pencast. Thank you so much. And uh, <laughs> right. like, like I said earlier, if you're curious about any of these and want to know when we're going to have them in stock, if they're not yet in stock, like the Safari, like the Retro mm. 51 might come and go, check yeah. out our product pages, sign up for the notifications. We'll let you know when it shows up. Boom. When it's something we haven't, there's a little pro tip here for you. When it's something that we've launched and are out of stock and are waiting to restock, it'll say out of stock. But if it's something that we haven't ever yet gotten in, it'll say coming soon or coming in February, coming in March, whatever. So that's just a little thing so that you're like, oh my gosh, did I miss out on the initial launch? Well, if it says out of stock, then yes, you did. But if it says coming in whatever time frame, you haven't missed anything because we haven't launched it yet. So there you go. We do that way on purpose. All right, so now we're gonna move it on over to our Q&A questions. Okay, to kick it off, Brian, we've got a question here from Diana. Mm-hmm. And Diana writes, how do you communicate to a supplier or brand that a new item didn't sell as well as expected? Mm. And is it hard to shift? Mm. Is there a specific business etiquette for talking to brands about this? And mm. also, how do you guys manage having too much of something that doesn't sell well in a way that keeps you sustainable and reputable as an authorized retailer? Ooh, well, Diana, I believe feedback. I believe you um, were the catalyst for a little bit of a Brian Goulet deep dive here based was, on the amount of it was pages. A cla- it was a classic hashtag unintentional deep dive. I was just typing out things that were coming to my mind. And then as I looked, I was like, oh, there's like a page and a half long of bullet points here. So we'll see if I cover all of them. But this this is a really good question. And this is like... It is a really good question. This is like we live so much in this space and people really don't see... But this is is something that challenges us a lot. Like honestly, Christian, our inventory manager, this is like a 
big part of his job. Absolutely. Huge part of his job. Yeah. And there's not all... one there's not one answer to it either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's the the biggest thing. That, you know, like everything else in the pen world, it depends, you know, and it varies. So I will say it depends on the supplier. You know, we're launching a lot of new stuff, um, you know, from different brands, 130, 150 SKUs a month, kind of on average. So it's a lot. It's a lot of different things. Um, we're not necessarily communi- communicating the sales pace of all new things to all brands every time we launch it. Cause for one, that's just so many things. And we're not the only retailer, like they're supporting, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands of other retailers, depending on how big the brand is. So they're not necessarily getting in touch with us all the time, but we do try to touch base on a somewhat regular basis. We have some like reports that will compile every so often. The, the thing I'll say in general is it's, a, is it's a rather informal process as a whole. You know, I can imagine other industries are probably, you know, more standardization or there's more, you know, reporting or something or there's systems that, you know, communicate things between retailers and suppliers. The fountain pen industry is, is you know, pretty, uh, I don't know, what's the right way to phrase it? Uh, pretty casual. It's pretty... Right. We, there's not necessarily you know, a playbook to follow in most cases yeah it's mostly a lot of uh you know a lot of the more established stores that have been around for a long time came from brick and mortar you know there's they were using ledger books and not computers and then they transitioned at some point so it's a it's a legacy industry you know it's not like we're selling electronics and everybody who gets into this business is on the forefront of technology so and a lot of it is apples and oranges too you can't say oh well this brand new brand that yeah. just came onto the market needs to be treated the same as if mm-hmm. the Lamy comes out with a new color Safari. If that right. Safari color doesn't sell, that's kind of a known quantity. It's not just all of a sudden going to become popular, you mm-hmm. know, whereas this new brand, perhaps some steam can get picked up, but it, so yeah. it really depends. So it's, it's something that over time, we, through experience and just having a lot of conversations and really just trial and error, we've really discovered a pretty decent approach towards, you know, estimating what's going to sell well and what's not. A lot of it just, you know, we talked to a lot of folks on our team. We have a pretty good sense. We have good relationships with all of our suppliers. And so it's rare that we're totally surprised. Usually if we're surprised, it's because we sell out of something too quick, often because there's not enough supply or something just was really popular. We knew it was going to be popular, but we didn't know how popular, you know, like the fire and dice. We, we knew that would be a strong pen, but we didn't know how strong. So um, the other way around is a lot tougher to gauge. So, um, and it's tough because with a lot of new things, sometimes we're not able to talk about them in advance. So we really aren't able to gauge how well something might or might not do. We have to kind of guess because we have to keep it a secret. So um, if it's not something that's super popular, you know, we launch it, it's, you know, we thought it was going to do really well. Turns out it didn't. It happens for a variety of reasons. Um, Sometimes we'll just ride it out. You know, we're like, this is a good product. We know that people are going to enjoy it, but there have been way too many other things that just happen to coincide at the same time. People just don't have enough money in their pen budget to buy all this stuff at once. So we think it's going to sell over time. We'll just we'll just keep carrying it and let it sell out. That that often is what we end up doing. Um, other times it's like, okay, 
it kind of got buried. There were a lot of other things. People prioritized, you know, other pens or whatever. So we need to remind people about it or talk about it in a new way, photograph it differently, shoot a video on it, whatever. So we might, it might just be that it's a good product. It just needs more attention, you know, so we still believe in it, but it, it got missed. So, you know, that's why you might see some of the same products, you know, repeatedly through an email or something like that. Um, if it's a product that we feel like it's really missed the mark, like maybe we thought it was going to be really good, but once we get it in hand or we use it longer, or we get feedback from customers, they're like, yeah, it's kind of expensive for what it is, or we were excited about this innovation that came out, but it turns out it's got some drawbacks to it as well. All that can happen. And, you know, we try to try to vet for that as much as possible, but, you know, sometimes it's just like, yeah, it's just not as, not as valued a pen as what people thought it was going to be or what we thought it would be. So those ones are a little tougher because we don't want to just keep like promoting and like shoving those down your throat and be like, buy this pen. If everybody's like, no, we don't want that pen. Like it's just not, it's too expensive. It doesn't do what I thought it would do, whatever. Right. Um, you know, and so we'll, uh, those are a little tougher. We try not to really push those out. So when that's, when that's more the situation, that's where we end up talking to the supplier and say, hey, this one didn't hit the mark. You know, here's the feedback we're getting from customers. This is, you know, we'll try and create a win-win situation. Sometimes it's that our audience, we don't like rule the pen world, right? Like there are plenty of other people that don't shop with us that might shop with other retailers for a variety of other reasons. And it might be that we're not selling it well, but another retailer is just going gangbusters with it and they've sold out of all theirs and we're sitting here with ours. So we might talk to our supplier and ask them, hey, it's not selling well for us but is it selling well for others? Like, do you all want these back? Do you want to trade them out? Could, you know, other retailers use them? And, you know, a fair amount of the time they're like, yeah, actually we could take half of them back or trade them out or yeah, we'll take them all back because it's really selling, you know, overseas or it's really selling, you know, in this brick and mortar, like mall store and whatever, you know, somewhere else. And we're like, great. Okay. It works out for everybody. So we always try and go for a win-win first. If it's the situation where they have a bunch of them and they're like, well, yeah, it kind of missed the mark for, you know, a bunch of people, other retailers are sitting on them too. You know, let's talk about what we can do to increase the value of that thing. You know, should we discount the price? Should we add maybe a gift with purchase? Should we do something else to kind of sweeten the deal a little bit and, and balance that out, make it a little more enticing? So those require a little more negotiation. It's never just like a formula that you can run for that kind of thing. Um, but that's more of the, the shift that we end up having to do um, is, you know, if we have the ability, the wiggle room, we'll try to do that. But, you know, as you mentioned, we're an authorized retailer and which means that we're not just like, ah, forget it. We don't really care what people think of the brand. We don't really care if other retailers are pissed off at us. We don't really care if customers complain. We just want to sell it. We just want to get it out the door for some industry retail. That's, what matters they don't they'll just discount the heck out of something get it out the door and move on to the next thing and we don't really do that and that's not really how it works for pretty much anybody in the fountain pen world it's not fast fashion where it's like well it was hot and now it's out of season so just blow it out the door and let's move on to the next thing it doesn't really work like that with pens especially because they stick around for a long time they, they last you know basically a lifetime so we will um always try to be in good communication with the brand to see, okay, what can we do to create a win for customers, but also to keep up the reputation of the brand, to keep on good graces. So we're, we're constantly working out and balancing and talking with you all as customers and with the brand to see how do we create 
the best situation for everybody. And a lot of that just comes down to trust, lots of communication, lots of experience. Um, and it's a, it's kind of an ongoing process. So there's a lot of different you know, individual situations that we end up in. It does take a fair bit of time because there's so many different variables to all this. But this is essentially the approach we take is, you know, let's create win-wins. Let's try and get, you know, create good value for everybody and represent the brands really well. And, you know, if we have to sit on pens a little longer and we have to, you know, maybe eat a little bit of it financially, then that's what we're willing to do because we're kind of looking at it for the long haul. We're not necessarily just like, well, next season's coming out. We got to buy more pens. So blow these out so that we can free up the cash and, you know, buy the next lot, whatever happens, you know, be darned. We got to make this thing keep rolling. That's how it is for a lot of retail. You know, thankfully we're not in a position where we have to do that. That's not where the pressure is in the fountain pen world. So, um, I think it, you know, it creates a better situation for everybody, but yeah, we're not really at the mercy of trends or technology. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a natural pressure for that in more competitive industries. Um, you know, but because everybody in the, because customers especially, but most retailers, most manufacturers are all very intentional, very invested, very passionate about the products. No one's really just pumping out garbage. You know what I mean? So usually if there's a mark that's missed somewhere, it's not way off the mark. That's pretty rare. It's more just like, oh, we thought this would be more popular, but we we got the trend a little bit off. Or yeah, by the time we started developing the pen to the time it came out, there were seven other brands that came out with pens in that color. And this one was just another one in the fray and it didn't do as well as we thought it would when we first started designing the pen. That happens all the time. So that's more where it is. And you're never like, we're never in a situation where it's like, oh man, we went all in on this pen. And if, if this one flops, we're in deep trouble. We're never in that situation with any one product, which is nice because it gives us a lot of freedom and flexibility to focus first on creating win-wins and value for everybody. And we have some flexibility in our timeline of when we would try to sell the stuff so that we're not, you know, making these crazy kind of erratic decisions. Um, so it's, it's pretty methodical, pretty thoughtful about how we go about it. But, you know, it's definitely, definitely something that is an ever-present ongoing conversation inside the company behind the scenes. Yeah. And the first thing we do, obviously, is try to select good products. We do oh, yeah. have a lot of intentional discussion mm-hmm. about our product selection. And sometimes even if we think there might be a little bit of an iffy thing, we can talk to the vendor and, you know, mm-hmm. talk about like, well, I don't know, what what do you think? And, you know, yeah. we have good relationships with our vendors and usually... Um, we can come to some agreement, but uh, and, yeah, the, it starts in that meeting and making sure that yeah. the, the correct products are selected with, you know, a lot of different opinions within the company from myself to Brian and Rachel to our inventory manager, customer care manager, so that we get perspectives from lots of different aspects of the company. Yeah. And just kind of as a little side note here, we are the customer for our suppliers. So they are offering things for us to carry but with some pretty rare exception, we're not ever required to carry any individual new product that comes out, which I think is actually pretty great because that ensures that y'all's feedback, y'all's demand is something that we can communicate to the manufacturer. You know, if we were f- just like forced to carry everything that they came out with, 
they could just make whatever they want and not really pay attention to whether it sells or not. That's tough. There's other retail environments where that's more the case. That's not how it is in the fountain pen world with basically every brand. Certainly all the brands we carry, there might be, you know, to maintain a certain, you know, level of, you know, status or something with a certain brand, you may be required to, to represent a certain portion of the line or something. They don't want to have like a major brand you have like one of their pens or something like that you know but there's never a situation where we are required to carry you know like an individual product or something like that so we're, we're never in a situation where we're forced to carry something they may like suggest it or be like hey we really want to feature this pen because it you know is helping move strategically in this direction they'll talk to us and we'll kind of you know get understanding of where their brand is trying to go um, and get on board with that. But they're never just like, yeah, we're sending you 500 of these and you're going to carry them whether you like it or not. I mean, that's how some retail environments are, which totally sucks. Cause then you're just like, well, I don't like this thing. We're believing in it at all, but I got to sell them. So here you go, folks. That's not how, that's not how the fountain pen world works. Thank goodness. All right, moving on. I got a question from Liz. Who says, hi, Brian and Drew. Just wanted to say I love the PenCast episodes. They make me laugh out loud at least once an episode, which is so wonderful right now. I also found your channel because of bullet journaling when your favorite pens of 2021 popped up in my recommended video list, which is cool. I bought my first fountain pen, a Diplomat Magnum from Goulet Pens a few weeks ago, and I'm already hooked. Do you have any recommendations for lighter or smaller grip fountain pens for people with smaller hands? I'd love something with style for when I head back to the office. So Drew, you give this some thought and have some good recommendations here. I've got you, Liz. Uh, we actually talked about you know, kind of the opposite of this, you know, several pen casts ago, we discussed oversized pens. So I mm-hmm. really enjoyed this question and getting to kind of check yeah. out the opposite end of the pen spectrum. Yeah. So just listen and, to that episode and do the opposite of everything we said. Yes. None Easy. of those. Don't pick any of those, Liz. <laughs> Try the Lamy CP1. That's an old favorite of mine. Absolutely uncomfortable for someone with the hands of Mr. Goulet, but great for someone that wants a narrow grip section and a narrow pen. For as small a pen as it, it's not really, it's it's standard length, but it's very, very narrow. But for as, you know, petite it, as it is, it's got a good weight to it. It is a brass pen, so I think it has a surprising amount of heft to it, which is why I like it. I think without it posted, it's very, very well balanced. Posted, it just kind of barely sits on the back of the barrel, which I don't love, so I don't personally enjoy posting it, but it doesn't need it. I think it's perfect the way it is. The Caveco Lilliput is a very small pen overall, you know, posted or not. It's still a pocket pen, so you would expect it is a very narrow grip as well. Um, Same thing with the Traveler's Brass Pen. It's right in that same zone with Lilliput. They're kind of a lozenge shape, you know, uh, pen. Very small, very easy for a purse pen, a pocket pen, etc. Small, but both are substantial. They both are metal pens that have some good weight to it. If you don't want something that has a lot of weight to it, the Sailor High Ace Neo is a great choice. It's also a very narrow pen, but for the money, you're getting a great value. It comes with uh, cartridges and it is a stub series. So depending on which pen you get, you can choose different type of stub nibs and they write fantastic. They've got clear feeds so you can see the ink traveling, which is something I always have a lot of fun with. They write incredibly well and they're very, very light in addition to being uh, having a narrow grip section. The Edison Ascent, um, I think I have one 
here. Yeah, this is my pen. I have the Miami Knights pens, my mm. most recent, uh, one of my most recent pen purchases. This actually has my favorite grip of almost any pen. It is a pretty small pen overall. Um, not posted. It's very tiny. But when it posts, it posts very deeply onto the pen. You can see it's almost covering half of the pen when it posts. So in my opinion, it's a great form factor for me. I do have relatively small hands, but the grip is narrow and it stops at, with a very substantial, like, uh, what do you call this, Brian? The, this end point, this flare at the end. Does that have an official term? No, uh, but there, there's a stopping point. It's, it yeah. flares out at the end, so Flare. your fingers sure. do not creep down into the nib feed danger zone. So I really love this pen. It is lightweight as well, and it just feels like it's really, really good quality because it is. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I want to mention the Pen Plaza. If you do have a fountain pen like the Diplomat Magnum that you really like the grip section of, you can go to the Pen Plaza on our website under Resources and click on the Diplomat Magnum and then just start picking other pens to then compare to it. And you can look at all of the pens we carry side by side with the Diplomat Magnum and visualize this pen's grip width compared to the grip width that you're comfortable with. Um, And likewise, if you have a pen that's gigantic and you hate, you can compare that too and say as far away from this as possible and search from there. Boom. These are great suggestions. Um, I got a few to kind of sprinkle in there as well, Uh, especially since you mentioned uh, wanting ones that were you know, like fun for heading back into the office, like colorful, like that kind of stuff that got me thinking about, uh, you know, Kueco, you mentioned the Lilliput. I'm thinking pretty much any Kueco sport, classic sport, any of those, there's a lot of fun colors. They're pretty thin pens. So I could see any of those. They're transportable, nice pocket pens. So bring into the office back and forth. So it kind of made me think of those. Um, I think a lot of things in the Lamy, like Safari, All-Star, they're a little longer pens, but the the triangular grip makes them where the the grip is smaller. So it's it's good for people who who don't want a, a large pen kind of gripped in their hands. Pretty light, um, very durable. They have a lot of different colors to choose from, so those are good too. Um, and Twisby Eco as well. It's got a somewhat more triangular grip. Eco or the Eco T. Um, I think either of those could work as well. Has not quite as pronounced a triangular grip as the Safari or the All Star, but I think you know that pen could work as well for smaller hands. It's more of a, you know, it's not like the go-to pen, I'd say, for for small hands, but um, large ink capacity, you know, it's a very affordable pen. So it's got a lot of other things going for it, uh, but I think it's a very versatile pen that fits in in all hand sizes. So, um, yeah, and, and again, a lot of fun colors with that one too. So there you go. I think any of these would be really good options. Yep, yep. next question comes to us from Shazagirl7032. And she says, Mm. Hiya, Brian and Drew. I have a question for the pencast. I'd like to know what is the purpose of an oblique nib Mm. and how do you make it right? I ordered one by mistake a few years ago and luckily could return it. I just couldn't make it right. Thanks Mm. for your help. An oblique nib, Brian. An an oblique you? Oblique. Oubliette. Yeah, so we we have this touched on in our... Now, I'll call it v- classic Fountain Pen 101 series. Um, 
It's uh, not a not a nib size that we get asked about very much. It's really not no. even a nib size. It's more of a style or a grind. Um, yeah, it's of, probably more of a grind. Yeah, it's like a stub nib, how you can have a stub in various sizes. Um, but it describes, you know, a, a design element of the nib, if you will. Um, it's fairly specialized, and it's really not for everyone, as Shaz, a girl, is kind of talking about here. This is pretty consistent with what we hear with obliques, to be quite honest with you. And it's... Uh, I'm not going to say I've had as much trouble, like, trying to get it to write. I can get it to write. I just, like, I don't see for my writing style i don't see the need quite as much personally um so let me explain what it is it's basically if you think of a stub nib how it's not just a ball on the end of the nib where you can write it in every direction is the exact same line width you know stub nib is ground flatter like this so when you have a thin cross stroke and a thicker downstroke well an oblique it's sort of in between the two of those it's not quite as pronounced as a stub nib it's ground a little bit flatter, but it's at an angle. So you can have an oblique, and that's where the oblique, I mean, literally that's what it means, is it's like askew, it's it's angled, right? So it's, uh, there you go, Drew's giving you a, a visual. So um, you can have it oblique to the right, you can have it oblique to the left. It's meant as sort of a customized, grind to compensate for people who hold their pen in a certain way where you know, that, that grind can help to assist in the actual, the, the reliability of their pen writing. So it's not, it's not something that's like a stub nib necessarily where it's anybody can use this thing and it will make your writing look different and so on and so forth. It's very specialized, you know, sort of like if you were to have your pen ground so that if you hold it at a, I'll call it a, 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 trying to make it sound judgy but if you hold it in a, in a uh, unconventional uh, un, un, unconventionally high or low angle you know you could grind it to be you know where it's it's more reliable and better writing you know for those who might hold their pens more at the extremes it's kind of meant to do that if you're really rotating your hand or holding your pen in such a way where it's more more of an extreme than it is kind of in the standard distribution you know the middle of the bell curve so to speak of where people tend to hold their pens if you're more on the extremes it can be better for you but that means that it's not a mass appeal grind so if the if the average pen writer were to pick up an oblique nib it's not like they would necessarily enjoy it or appreciate it or even see the value in it it's more of a thing at the extreme so that's where it lives usually you don't see oblique nibs even offered as a standard offering from most pen companies it used to be I'm not going to say more popular. It used to be less uncommon with certain brands. You would see it from Pelican, Montblanc, Lamy has some. We special ordered them once or twice with Lamy with the um, some pens back in the day. Yeah, we did it with the 2000 for a little while. We did it with the 2000. They were not very popular. And no, for me, when I wrote with them, I had to just I had to write with a rotation that I was uncomfortable with in order for it to write. It's kind of like wearing like yeah. corrective shoes. If you walk a certain way and you put on someone else's shoes that are supposed to like correct their posture or something, it's just not going to work for you because you don't walk the way that person wa- walks. You know, if you, someone gives you their shirt, like oh yeah, I had it tailored because I have one arm longer than the other, like it's not going to look good on you because that's not. So if if you're that person, then yeah, it's perfect. But yeah. uh, otherwise, you're going to need to change around your uh, yeah. writing style. So if you okay. get one secondhand, 
you can make it work. You're just going to have to write mm-hmm. with that pen perhaps differently than you write yeah, with your, your other pens. You're 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 absolutely going to have to intentionally hold that pen differently. Yeah. It's it's not like you hold it like a normal, you know, like a standard pen and the writing looks different somehow. It's made to compensate for holding the pen a very different way, usually in some heavy degree of over rotation. Um, you know, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that by any means. I hope that it's not taken the wrong way, you know, it being compared to like corrective shoes or something to make it sound like, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, like a, uh, something that's like compensating for holding it wrong or anything like that. That's not at all the case. Um, in fact, I think watching the Neil deGrasse Tyson interview that Figboot on pens did, he mentions how he loves oblique nibs because he likes, you know, nibs that are interesting and, and kind of non-conventional. It definitely falls into that territory, but um, it's not the kind of thing that everybody's going to benefit from or even see the the benefit. I would say if you're ever going to be going to a pen show or a physical brick and mortar store and you have the chance to write with an oblique nib, that's the best thing because we can't even really describe it. And if we try and show it on a video, like I was thinking about like trying to show how they write, you really, it's, I don't know, you, you explain it, but it's the kind of thing like you, you can't really even see visually what it's doing um, very easily. So it, it varies a lot, but it's the kind of thing that's like, I don't know if you've never really thought about it, never really had a desire for it or experienced it, just know that it exists, but don't really sweat it. You're not really missing out on much probably. Um, but if you happen to come across one and ever get to try it, just try it so that you can see what all the hype is not about. The hubbub. (laughs) There you go. All right. Moving along to the next question from Dave. What's a good fidget pen? A pen to hold and fidget while pondering deep questions. P.S. I play chess and the pocket knife I hold isn't very well accepted. <laughs> that's that's a little less of a PC fiddling, uh, fidgeting, you know, uh, instrument. Uh, Drew, I know you fidget with your, your coins. You like to like play with I your coins. I fidget with everything. But yeah, yeah I do. I, I have a... I keep coins every day. Let's see. Today it is mm. a. Let's see. We've got a 1874 half dollar, Brian. Mm. It's, it says half doll with half a dot. Doll. A half, half doll. doll. Yeah. That's cool. This is one of the uglier eagles they've had, but mm. um, yeah, this is the seated Liberty half dollar. So there she's just kind of she's just kind of chilling. But yeah, okay. um, I do that. I fiddle with my pens, obviously. Mm-hmm. I fiddle with my loop that is now like super on the floor. Um, <laughs> I was going to say super floppy because it's just been it spun around so many times. Yeah. But um, anyway, yes, uh, I have some ideas for you, Dave. Yeah. Um, first idea is to replace your knife with some sort of medieval weapon so no one takes you seriously. Like if you show up with a mace or a morning star, like mm. no one's going to be like, he's going to hit me with that. But yet you can still be threatening and intimidating with your chess game. Mm. Um, knife, knife is like, mm, he might actually do something with that. Mm. Anyway. And it, it'll be on theme too with the whole like, you know, castle knight. Yeah, absolutely. He's just castle. in character. Rook. I know it's called a rook. Oh my gosh. Why did I call it a castle? That's fine. Castle I mean, it, theming, it, you know, king, queen, that whole thing. Well, it, it's a, it's a, it's a castle. That's fine. It's a. It's called a rook. It's not called a castle. I know. That's I like, know. that's just, like, like when, that's like when people call it, a, you know. The uh, horse. Uh, yeah. Or they call it a nip instead of a nib or whatever. You're like, you really oh God, don't yeah. know fountain Stop pens. Or like, a nub. On. Yeah. yeah, they're like the tip, My, the tip of the, yeah, and you're like, no, it's a nib, come on now. 
I think that Brian and I would both agree that the Caveco Supra is one of the best fiddling pens mm. out there. You can take it all apart. You can yeah. basically convert it from a full-size pen to a pocket pen with a removable middle section there. And oh, yeah. that middle section can attach somewhere else. So it's a lot of fun. Um, the Platinum Curados... Um, I still have one around here somewhere from a video that we did. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a fun one because it you can take it apart. The clip's removable. A bunch of the internal parts are removable. But this thing, that is a big honking click right there. <laughs> and it's pretty satisfying. Now, it's also probably going to be annoying. Mm. I'm not sure if this is bothering you yet, mm. but it's bothering me. But it's still fun. Um, but uh, I think that that could irritate somebody. And um, if you're trying to play a nice, quiet game of chess, perhaps mm. that's not the best thing. The Resin Homo Sapiens by Visconti, those are a lot of fun to activate the hook-safe lock mechanism. Mm. The uh, the, mag- the lava pens, the, you know, the volcanic resin or whatever, those click less satisfyingly, in my opinion. Don't mm. uh, You know what there's I'm talking about, more, Brian? There's a little more resistance to them. Yeah, yeah, but with the resin ones, they snap. They, like... Mm pop snap and oh my god yeah. they're so good so they they snap a lot more clean so those are a lot of fun the if there's a spring-loaded inner cap that gives you that you know kerthunk that is very very appealing mm. and the diplomat arrow is a lot of fun not only does it have a really really satisfying capping but just removing the barrel from the grip section you know some of them if you get the right one you can actually spin it and have it you know, kind of spiral onto the grip section. So I always like undo it and do it and undo it and do it, try to get that good spin happening. Again, probably annoying. Um, And if you did not want to be annoying or loud, which, I mean, come on, who doesn't like that? Uh, You could try the Esterbrook Esty. That has this beautiful cushion cap. Again, it's a spring-loaded inner cap that makes it so that you have to kind of push and turn in order to thread the cap onto the barrel but that 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 cushion is really really nice so undoing it when you unscrew it it kind of pops out because that spring uh you know loses resistance Mm -hmm. when you the cat when the threads are loosened so that's a really really satisfying one and quiet uh, several tachia pens also have that same kind of like cushion cushiony cap kind of a oh yeah 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 and honestly the one i fiddle with the most of any pen Mm. is going to be a retro 51 rollerball just with one hand unscrewing it and screwing it um the uh this knurled um twist at the top ejects and retracts the rollerball tip that you can do quietly over and over and over again no risk of wearing anything out i seriously do this all day long um and no one knows uh i would recommend a retractable another retractable but I wouldn't do this obnoxiousness with a gold nib, so stick with I mean, Kyrados on that one. I think you could use that strategically if you're playing a game against someone. You can like click it, you know, sort of like when you like yipe at somebody as they're trying to like do a golf swing or something. You can like strategically try to like mess with their head. I don't know. You certainly could. You certainly could. Or you could, you know, um, just start dropping loops all over the floor like i do yeah or drop coins all, on your desk. That definitely gets all, attention. It's all a mind game. I, my, my coin didn't fall yet. I do this enough but, time it will uh, yeah. the people all over the office know whenever i'm around because you hear a coin just fall on the ground and hear well, me curse only, under my breath not only do you hear the coin but drew's also like bah, 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 and he's making hand gestures so it's like yeah you know you, the you, adam you know adam though adam you always know when adam's walking around he's our uh, fulfillment manager he whistles and hums everywhere he's going so yes just, sings yeah he, 
Yep. Um, walk, and then like finally, I will say, box. oh no, I've got two more. I've got the Pilot E95S, the mm. cap on that one, both caps Ooh. and posts, so immensely smooth. satisfying. Yeah, very, very smooth. And there's no clicking happening. It's super quiet. So you could do that over and over again, no problem. And then finally, um, I would choose uh, a Twisby Eco. I have a VAC 700 here, um, but a Twisby Eco has a, one of the most clear barrels of mm. just about any fountain pen fill this thing with some heavy shimmer ink like golden sands or mm. you know golden barrel or something like that and honestly it's like you know such a great fidget thing you can just turn it around watch this watch the shimmer settle twist it watch it resettle like that that's a great one too again super quiet and that's my list brian what do you think good stuff um yeah i had to i had to read this question twice because i was thinking about pens that are fun to fiddle with as you're like cleaning them taking them apart kind of thing but you know obviously that wouldn't work as you're you know just going about your day trying to actually keep the pen inked up so uh i agree with you on the supra i think that is a great one though you do end up because i've had this the supra is a pretty heavy pen so if you end up dropping any of those components like on the desk or something like that it makes loud clunks so you know be conscious of that um so as an alternative to a little fiddly brass pen I have the um, Traveler's Pen, so it's a little teeny one. You do get some of the satisfying, you know, kind of like snapping and, you know, the, 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 it's not definitely not as smooth as the E95S, but it has some like pressure bars in there that also slide it in place, which can be pretty satisfying. But also it's got this little like lanyard top that screws in that you can unscrew the clip and then Ooh. you can take the clip off. Uh, sometimes I'll turn the clip upside down and just screw it on like that just to <laughs> be an agent of chaos <laughs> because you can like I'll literally yeah, if, I, yeah, have, if yeah. I have this pen I'll just do that and then I'm like oh, that looks really weird and I'm like why am I doing that I don't want to just like take it off and redo it so all um, right I think that's a, that's a fun one as well um, and then I think any any good long thin pen I'm thinking like a Lamy CP1 you know you can you can twirl it in your fingers. You know what I mean? So you can you can get that thing going on that Drew's doing right there. I think a, a long, thin, well-balanced pen like a CP1 would do great with that. And that's uh, you know that's got that 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 gives you something vision can can look very impressive, and uh, it's it's a very contemplative exercise. You know what I mean? Could be uh, psychologically you know messing with people. I don't know, um, but. Me personally, I think the most baller move, I mean, these are all pens we're talking about here, but me personally, my fiddle thing, since I'm really into puzzles, is a Rubik's Cube. Um, and I will often, you know, uh, you know, it can sometimes be distracting if you're being really annoying about it, but if you get a really decently made cube, they can be pretty quiet. Um, and you can just kind of, once you've solved it a whole bunch of times, you can do it without having to actively think about it super hard. So if you can, like I'll do this sometimes, in like meetings and stuff. I'll be kind of like thinking, contemplating, and I can be solving a Rubik's Cube as I'm as I'm going. And I think that, if you're playing a game of chess against somebody, if you can be sitting there like one-handed solving a Rubik's Cube as you're playing against them, what a what a mind game that would be with them. Wouldn't it be like, yeah, I'm like so good. I can be I can be doing another puzzle as I'm playing this game against you. Psych them out, you know? Be twirling your knife in one hand and solving a Rubik's cube in the other. Boom! Move that, move that castle across the board. Take their princess. You're good to go. I'm kidding. By the way, fun fact: 
I am trying to get, Ra Rachel doesn't know how to play chess. She's never learned. She would be really good at it. She refuses. Like she's not opposed to the game of chess, but I've offered so many times. I'm like, please just let me teach you chess. You would enjoy it. Like it's, it's a fun game. You're smart. You would get it. And she just like, she just doesn't want to do it. She's like Joseph with the bike riding or like playing outside. And like that's passed on to Joseph too. I keep on trying to teach them and I can't get any of my anybody in my family to sit down with me and learn how to play chess. So I don't know. We'll see if it ever happens. That's on my like bucket list. I told Rachel, I was like, I think one year for Christmas or my birthday or something, I might, maybe my 40th, maybe I'll be like, my, my gift is for you to sit down and learn chess. I'm going to teach you chess. <laughs> so I don't know if she'll ever go with that, but that's what I got. All right. And finally, question number five is going to be a special one. Um, this is a twofer. We have a question from One Last Boot, who asks, thinking of trying base date blue, should I be terrified? And then Firewalker114 asks, is there a pen, $100 and up, that you would dare to put base date blue in? What mm. pens do you put it in? And I thought about this one, and while Brian and I certainly have experience with base date blue, Neither he nor I have said, this is going to be an ink that I use continuously in my rotation for a prolonged period of time. And I thought, do I know someone who has done that? And the mm. answer was, yes, I do. Our very own Brian Kay, um, the other Brian who works in the customer care department, um, he has been on the um, our old Right Now show. He also likes to take apart pens and create obnoxiously obscene Frankenpens. Franken um, oh, my gosh. Dude, put, he's put a, a vanishing point nib inside of a preppy body, and like, who, who knows? It's he's so he's not. Yeah. He's certainly not afraid of base date blue. In fact, he is a big fan of it. So I thought he would be best suited to answer this question. So um, Brian and I are gonna kick up our feet, relax a bit, and ah. our friend Brian K is going to give you his take on whether or not you should be afraid of base date blue. Hi everybody, Brian K here from the customer care team, and I would be happy to talk about base date blue because i love it and i use it all the time so should you be terrified of using base date blue i guess that's a really personal question but i would say no because it's just an ink and it behaves like most other normal inks base date blue is so bright it, that electric blue is something you don't want to miss out on so definitely don't skip it just because you've heard horror stories and, and tales of it, you know, dying people's kitchens and dogs completely blue. I had my own run-in with it uh, when we first started working from home. I knocked over this bottle onto my desk and I stained my hands, feet, desk, and my diploma Bay State Blue. So uh, it's something to remember it by all the time. But the ink, for me, I don't really have any problems with it at all. I keep it in a Twisby Eco, and this particular pen has been inked with Base State Blue for over two years. Actually, I think we're going on three now, and I've cleaned it, don't tell everyone else, but I've cleaned it maybe two or three times. And this pen, every time I uncap it, it writes absolutely perfectly. And I can leave it uncapped for easily 10, 15 minutes, and you take it back to the page and it'll still write. So definitely an ink worth checking out not something you should be terrified of and yeah 
definitely give it a go. I would say it's a good idea to keep it in a less expensive pen because it will stain. That's pretty much the only thing that the ink can do that other inks won't do as badly is stain, especially a demonstrator. But with a Q-tip and some Goulet pen flush in there, it's perfectly fine. So the other question is, is there a pen under and up that you would dare put base tape blue in? Yes, a few. I've put it in a handful of pens that I probably shouldn't have put in, shouldn't in air quotes there because you can do whatever you want with your pen. Um, one of the pens that I like to put in is a Pilot Vanishing Point because the nib units are easy to take out, very easy to clean and replaceable. Uh, these guys go in the Sonic Cleaner at work a lot of times because they are a little, they're not hard to clean, they're just very small. So in this, if you have a Sonic Cleaner, definitely give it a go. And for the Pilot especially, if you do have an issue with any ink or the nib period, you can get a new one. You can replace it. So it's definitely worth putting in some different pens, and I wouldn't shy away from it just because of its, you know, scary heritage. So, yeah, uh, another one that came to mind actually was the Bennu because they're so sparkly and fresh and bright. It would need or it would benefit greatly from a electric blue ink. And the cool thing about the Bennu pens is the nib unit comes right out. So. Like a lot of other pens, it's super easy to clean. You can flush that thing in, in 30 seconds if it's Bay State Blue or Newler's Black or anything else. So yeah, uh, I would definitely venture to put it in pretty much all of my pens, but I have ink paralysis choice here. There's too many inks to choose from, so my bottle of Bay State Blue, even though it is almost empty, um, gets passed over at times. But yeah, don't be afraid of the base state. Put it in your pens. Enjoy it. Look look at that beautiful blue color on the page and, and be happy that you're doing something that someone else might be afraid of. Yeah, enjoy. Bye. <laughs> All righty. Well, BK, thank man, you, the best. <laughs> Brian. Yeah, no, he's he's fantastic. I had no idea he's, he got it as a diploma. Like, oh man, I know, I'm that's, terrible why would that. it, Why is his diploma just like on his desk, though? My that, diploma, that, I don't even... I, I don't even know where it is. Like <laughs> Rachel no and I, when we when we graduated, like it was like our diploma was like some weird size, and they had you know, like frames for them, but it was like a hundred and eighty dollars. And I was like, I just graduated. I was like, I don't have any money. I'm spending one hundred and eighty dollars on right. this. And here we are, like fifteen years later, and it's like, ah, I don't really care now. It's just you know, where right. gonna, who cares what my diploma is? So it's, it's just like in an envelope somewhere in a closet. Like, I don't even know where it is. But I'm I am really glad that is, uh, Brian took this question because he was most definitely uh, better qualified. But um, I don't know, Brian, do you have any uh, any cents to add? Two cents, three cents? I do, what yeah. Are, I are think, you? I mean, obviously he's used this ink a ton, clearly. He's used this ink more than I have. So um, definitely respect where he's coming from on that. The one thing I will say about this is, um, you know, he didn't touch on the fact that 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 Bay State is, all the Bay State inks, all three of them, but you know, Bay State Blue is by far the most popular. Um, they are formulated differently than most other inks. You can obviously still use them in fountain pens and stuff, but um, they are not mixable with non-Bay State 
ink colors. So if you have a pen that has another ink in it, you haven't really cleaned it out or cl not cleaned it at all, and you put base state in it, then you could have some actual problems with it because the, the two inks will not be compatible and they might actually even like gel and foam and do some kind of crazy stuff. So, so use a dedicated pen. Yeah, it helps. I mean, just you have to thoroughly clean out the pen before and after you use a base state in it. So it's not that you like have to, like you all of a sudden this has to be a dedicated base state pen now, but you just need to clean it thoroughly before you put a non-base state ink back in there. Um, and the other thing I'll say is, you know, it sounds like he's had good experience using pen flush and a, a physical tool, like a Q-tip or toothbrush or something. But um, I will say the, the most effective thing I've seen when cleaning it is using bleach instead of an ammonia-based solution. So um, if you dilute bleach, like five to 10% household bleach, um, and use that to clean up your base state, it actually cuts right through it. So even if you have a pen that is just like hopelessly stained with base state, if you clean it with diluted bleach, then it's better. The only thing is with diluted bleach, bleach can interact with stainless steel if left for a long period of time. It's fine if you're just rinsing it and then you rinse it with water or whatever just to clean the ink out, but you don't wanna like soak a pen with metal components in a bleach solution. So I think there's enough that's kind of different about this ink where people are like, ah, what is this? It kind of freaks me out. It's not that scary, but there's just a couple of things that help to know about it. Um, but I'm, I'm right there with them. Dedicating a pen to it just makes, it just makes things so much simpler. Um, and it's a really cool and unique ink. So it kind of makes sense to dedicate, you know, a, like a less it. expensive pen to it. So I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I also wouldn't maybe use it in like vintage pens um, particularly like valuable or harder place ones or ones that have like an ink sack or something like that because, you know, various older glues and, you know, rubbers and stuff like that can be more susceptible to some of these ink interactions and stuff like that. So that's where maybe I would maybe just encourage not to go down that route. But ultimately you can, you can use it in whatever you want. Just, you know, you got to know the risks. Yeah, one thing I did once upon a time, I had a Twisby uh, All Sport. No, not a... Uh, the, the, the clear sport, whatever, the ice sport is what they called them. Ah, um, yeah. So it had a clear barrel and a blue translucent cap. Wait, and you said Twisby. I, you mean Kaweco, right? Kaweco. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. Blah. You're like, Twisby anyway, is a clear one. I'm like, you yeah. mean any of those? Actually, <laughs> I still have it, but it's like, it's seen better days. I lost mm. the... Uh, I lost the grip to it, so it's got a green grip on it now. Mm. It's got a little bit of a blue mark on there, but I had it inked up with Bay State for about a year. But okay. what I had done was I had taken the uh, uh, inside of the barrel and completely coated it in the silicone grease that we sell. Oh. Um, just totally coated it so just that to, the base state like a did physical not, barrier yeah yeah it was a physical barrier the ben, hmm. the base state didn't actually penetrate the uh ink so it stayed clear and did not stain it stained a little bit which i think is just my fault for not coating it properly but hmm. um yeah uh it's it's a moisture barrier so it Neat. kept it out so if you wanted to try that you kind of can i actually liked the look of it because some inks they coat the inside of the barrel and then some inks just kind of fall right off the barrel and yeah. you can still so this is also good for that if you wanted your um, ink to just slosh freely. But I don't mm. know. It was also a pain in the butt to remove. So I, you can do it. I don't know if I'd recommend it. It was kind of annoying. But it's a thing. It, it works-ish. Yeah. I don't know. There you go. All right. Good stuff. All right. That's, that's it for Q&As. Now we're going to head on to our tip of the week. Okay, our tip of the week this week comes from my years in the customer care department, Brian, and here it is. In short, 
if you receive a new fountain pen and you find that it writes fine, but the tines are a little wonky, you can just leave it alone. Um, it doesn't always feel right if you see some funky, <laughs> wonky tines to just yeah. be like, okay, this is fine. And I'm not saying you have to say this is fine, but what I don't want you to do is try to correct it if it is writing fine because generally if it writes fine but the nibs are cattywampus, that means that at the factory it was ground and shaped while the cattywampus nib existed. So um, if the nib is misaligned and then it gets ground, uh, realigning it is just going to make it worse. Um, so the top might it look might. super it misaligned. Might. It's not always the it case. Might. Usually, it might. usually the, realigning fixes it, but if... But if it, but check <laughs> to make sure it writes first because sometimes yeah. it might look bad, but it might write really well. Mm. And y- depending on the brand, honestly, if you've got a good writing pen, that that that's great. You know, not, not every pen brand is made equally in terms of quality control. So if you're happy with it, stay happy with it. Just enjoy it. Now, if that is just not something you're willing to deal with, you shouldn't have to deal with that. Talk to your retailer. Talk to a nibmeister. You know, get it taken care of. But um, definitely just wanted to make you aware of if it writes fine but it looks bad, you can leave it alone. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what, like, so. nibmeisters that we've talked to have said, you know, ideally you want it to look good under the loop, but they were like, don't make it look good at the sacrifice of how it actually performs, which is ultimately what Drew's talking about here. And you know what it makes me think of that just popped into my head as you were talking, Drew? You, well, you know me. You know I'm I'm not one to buy very expensive sunglasses. I will buy them. No, in, no. You, you like a nice uh, ten, 10 pack from Dollar General. Yes, sir. Yeah. Or like go like a Costco or a Sam's Club kind of thing. <laughs> you can buy like a 12 pack of sunglasses for $24. I'm all about that. You know what I mean? Because I'm gonna lose them, I'm gonna break them, whatever. So I need, I need uh, like multiples. Give me multiples here. I'm not buying like a $150 pair of sunglasses. I think the most I've ever paid for a pair of sunglasses in my life was $30. And that's That was a lot. They're all gonna break anyway. Anyway, so uh, for me, I don't know, because maybe because I've had mostly experience with cheap sunglasses in my life. Have you ever had a pair of really any kind of glasses, but glasses where it feels okay on your face, but it looks a little a little wonky. Yeah. Or or maybe the other way around. Maybe it looks good, but it's just got like more pressure on like one ear than the other oh, yeah. and one side. And you're like, it looks fine, but like it just like it just feels wrong. And you're trying yeah. to like straighten it out. That's kind of where we're at here. It's like you know that something's off, but it's still accomplishing what it needs to. So I don't know if I'm those are both really annoying things that I brought up right there with the sunglasses. So maybe that's not the best analogy to go with here. But, but I, I, can, think I get what you're putting down. Maybe what I'm going with is like, if it feels fine in your face and it's keeping the sunlight out of your eyes, but it looks a bit askew, but see like other people see that and maybe you're a subconscious, like not comfortable with that. I don't know. I don't give a crap. Like I would do that. <laughs> I would wear sunglasses that feel comfortable and keep the sun out of my eyes and that look a little wonky and I would not care. Um, you know, but I just, that's the, just me. The, yeah, the the crux of this is that we don't want you, you know, actually messing up your pen when it yeah. was writing fine for you. you know, yeah. If it's a nice writing experience, I would love for you to maintain that nice writing experience. So just think twice before aligning your nib if mm. it's um, if it's already working great for you. 
Hmm. Good stuff. All right, now we're gonna move on to our pen spotlight. We were talking about what pen to spotlight this week. I was playing around with a couple for an upcoming video that we're gonna have Ooh. coming out before too long. I won't spoil what the theme of the video is, but I will say one of the pens we're gonna talk about is gonna be featured in this video. So I was playing around with that a little bit and I was like, you know what, it'd be kind of cool to talk about this. So we are gonna, we are gonna highlight the Twisby Mini pens. This is the, the 580, well, I guess it's just called the Twisby Mini, but it's the mini version of the 580, the Piston, and as well as the Vac Mini. So, you know, I don't know how you feel, Drew. I feel like these get overshadowed a lot by their bigger counterparts. Like people always yes. talk about the bigger ones, but the bigger ones often are kind of actually physically big and not necessarily preferred by all hand size people. Um, specifically, we took a question, you know, earlier in this very pen cast about pens for smaller hands. I think the mini versions of these pens are awesome. The ink capacity is really good. They have all the same like fit and finish and cool technology and everything in them as the full size ones do. But just people don't talk about them very much, and I think they need I know, a little love. I know, I know. You're absolutely right. And I think that for me, while I can just as comfortably write with a mini vac or a regular mini as I could a 580 or vac 700, what mm -hmm. I like is the fact that they hold a good amount of ink compared yeah. to like a converter, but not so much as a standard vac 700. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my Iris. I think it's a gorgeous, gorgeous pen, one of the best ever. However, Man, I feel like I haven't even put a dent in this ink. I've been using it for like three weeks now. And man, I would kind of like a pen with a little bit less in it because I just, I can't get through it, man. Well, and especially the way you operate, you're like, you're like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change one of my three pens until I've used this ink up. No, that, that's going to get all used eventually. It's going to be a while. That's why I put Winter Miracle in there because I love that ink. I mm -hmm. know I'm going to continue to love it. It's not yeah, an experimental ink. And like cleaning, yeah. out a vac, cleaning out any vac pen is like kind of a pain. So, you know, a little less so on the Twisbees though. I will say that. The thing I do like about all the Twisbees is that you can disassemble them to yeah. clean them, which That's I beautiful. personally do basically every time that I am cleaning a Twisby because it's so One, easy. Because what I'll do, I don't know about you, I will take the mechanism out and I'll use a bulb syringe and I'll just flush it just mm -hmm. like I would a cartridge converter pen and it just gets everything out. You can reach a Q-tip through the back really easily. So simple. Absolutely. And one of my favorite things about the VAC Mini is that I am so stupid in love with the VAC 20 ink bottle. I freaking mm. love that thing, Brian. I will shout to the heavens and the skies how awesome that bottle is and how everybody who owns it's a cool. VAC or VAC Mini should have one of these. And if you opt for the smaller and you know slightly more affordable VAC Mini instead of a 700, not only are you going to avoid this obnoxious step and increase your comfort factor, but you're going to have a little more dollars and cents left over for a purchase of a VAC 20 ink bottle. Nice. Right? Yeah. That's a what? wise thing to do. I think so. Yeah, VAC yes. 20. Was there a VAC 70? Am I making that up? No, there was not a VAC 70. There's the there's the Diamond 50 inkwell and Diamond the VAC 50, 20. Diamond 50, VAC 20. Okay. Yep, nope, that was it. 
I just had to look on the site. I was like, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to remember these things after this long. Yeah, just, cool. just those two. Um, but they're both the both bottles are great. But the back twenty is more affordable. It's smaller. It fits. Just mm-hmm. it's a. It should come like you. Sh- it, it should be a thing that anybody who buys a vac anything should buy one of those bottles. That's a pretty. It's, good, it's a good. It's a great system. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, one thing about the the mini, the regular piston mini. So I, I think part of the reason why these mini versions of the pens get overlooked a little bit. For one, the nib is a little smaller. It just seems that the bigger a nib is, the more popular and talked about it is. They still write great, mm-hmm. but it's just physically a smaller nib. So not as impressive, I guess. I don't know. People like the nibs. I get it. Um, but uh, there are not as many special editions in like new colors and new, fresh, exciting things That's with very these true. mini pens. Like you do get the mini all, the aluminum version. They've done a couple special editions around the mini. But... To my knowledge, help me remember, have they ever changed anything on the VAC Mini or has it just been the clear version and that's it? Maybe there's a smoke think, too. Is there a smoke too? I, can't I don't know. Remember. I think they might have changed the, an O-ring that one time. They might have removed that second O-ring. They did that. That uh, was more like an iterative update. That wasn't a special thing. That's not a, a different edition, no. Um, do both of those pens thread to post, Brian, or is it just the Mini? Um, they both do. That's awesome. That's they another point do. for the minis. So you I like, love that. You like the thread to post. Oh, absolutely. I don't know how I feel about it. Oh, I, love I like it. it. Well, I like it when it's there, but the act of having to do it is, I don't know how I feel about it. I like it. It's got that nice O-ring that makes it nice and nice and nice and smooth. So, By the way, the VAC 700 mm. is not even supposed to be posted. So you can do it, but you can break your pen and crack your resin by doing that. So Twisby does not yeah. recommend that you post you can, either. Uh, I believe you're not supposed to post the 580 either because it sits on top of the knob. Technically, the 580 is not supposed to be posted either. Frankly, posting either of these, it makes it really long anyway. So... It's not the most desirable thing in the world. Yeah, but the so mini, I like the fact the that mini those versions, Yeah, the mini versions obviously are designed to be posted because they have the yeah. screw cap, but they also have an O-ring underneath the thread. Mm-hmm. So that means that not only can you post it, but in order to... Sometimes when you have a screw thread and you go to post it, you don't want it wobbling all around. So you have to sometimes over-tighten it, which mm-hmm. can then cause cracking issues and stuff. So Twisby intentionally put that O-ring there specifically so that you can put it on there the O-ring kind of allows it to fit on there. You can like fine tune, adjust it so that the clip is exactly in line with your nib because you're definitely going to want to do that because it'll drive yes. you crazy otherwise. Or if you want to watch the world burn, you can write with it because it's a double thread. You can write with it so that the clip is facing towards the back and then that clip is going to rest in the crook of your hand there. And I don't know, that would be like if you're trolling somebody and you want to hand them your pen flip that cap around and they'd be like oh my gosh this this is wrong what's wrong with this Mm. no so you you have that option Mm, but uh yeah i don't know screw thread posting is that's a whole conversation that we could have because not a lot of pens have that and some people it's very divisive whether they like that or not there's a lot of pros and cons it just just makes me feel like i'm preparing to write i i like the i like the Mm. ritual of using a fountain pen i like okay okay when i when i unthread a pen and thread it back on i'm like okay i have just performed a ritual and i'm ready to write yeah. i appreciate that but the, but then you know of course there's the quickie pens too and i, I don't feel that way yeah. but um i don't know it's something different i appreciate that tactile experience yeah there you go 
Um, so I kind of mentioned this earlier. There is a smoke version of the VAC Mini, but it's it's a regular pen. I can't remember exactly when that smoke one came out. I want to say the regular, the clear one came out and then the smoke came out later, but it's, it's been just a regular edition. So it's been those two. And that's, I think that's all they've ever done. I don't know if they, I don't think they've ever done anything special, no special edition versions of the back mini. Um, I don't know why necessarily. I don't know. Well, I'll have to recommend that, but I mean, if it's only, but so popular and they only have so many resources, they're going to do it on the more popular style of pen. So I think that's sure. more where it falls. But yeah, so there we go. A little bit of love for the mini size pens. Let us know what you think of them, or if you have questions about them, you can post it in the comments. And because we thought about doing the hypothetical at the beginning of this video, we did in fact pull one, and that's what we're going to get into right now. All right, Drew. So... Last week, when, uh, you know, not to point any fingers, but there was no hypothetical to be had. And uh, I'm not going to say, you know, that it was your fault or anything. But I will say that there was a vacuum to be left. And uh, to quote Rachel, uh, I stepped up to the vacuum and uh, filled it in with a hypothetical. So well, okay. um, as... As a, that is literally a quote that I wrote down from Rachel. Step up to the vacuum. It's like, okay. Rachel has a lot of mixed mixed metaphors in there. But anyway, so uh, no, Drew's great. Love it. But we, yeah, we kind of, I don't know. We just lost touch with the hypotheticals for a while. These things get long and we're like, all right, let's cut it out. And then people are like, just keep it going. The longer, the better. And we're like, all right, okay. So um, as I was pulling one ad hoc last week, I stumbled across another one that was like, oh, I like this one too. So I, I marked it and I was like, let's save it. And then I totally forgot about it until we started recording. But here we are, backstory into what we're doing. So uh, my hypothetical question for you, Drew, since right. last time we were talking about our sleeping habits and uh, you know how I don't know what sleep is. I basically, I get defeated every night by my body when I am forced to shut down and then I wake up and fight my body to get ready in the morning. Um. <laughs> I, I will. I will say there. There was. There was a time where I would show up to work back. Back uh, before we started work at eight o'clock, when I would show up to his house, and it was just me and one other guy working at his garage, and mm. he would he would have to lumber out of his house outside. <laughs> walk up to his garage, unlock it for me, and then go back into his house to get ready. And yep. I, did not, I did not speak to him during, during those moments because no. I was aware that his level of consciousness was, um, he was running on safe mode, uh, yeah. more or less. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly right. Well, especially those days with a newborn, I was shooting videos until like three o'clock in the morning, Yeah, getting woken up in the middle of the night by crying children. Actually, I think it was my, it was, I think it was my, I was like, Hey Brian, do you think maybe we should start work at eight instead of nine? And you were like, I was like, why? Yeah, probably. Why would we we do that? (laughs) I was like, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I have an interesting relationship with sleep, but my, my question is sleep related. So my question for you, Drew, is if you had the option to take the time that you normally would sleep and just be able to stay awake continuously, no loss of energy. It would just be like it was daytime. Like you would just have the same amount of energy and you could just operate all that. But 
with the caveat that that amount of time that you normally would sleep, you would have to take that off the end of your life and you would have to die that much earlier. So you would basically say you sleep eight hours a night. Would you be willing to give off the last many several years of maybe a third of your life? Would you be willing to give that up to be able to be awake continuously or would you just keep it as it is right now and sleep and live your normal life? Um, that is a good question, but it's an easy one. Uh, I mm. would choose to continue sleeping. While I definitely do not like to waste life, um, every moment is precious, and I would love to not have to sleep and would, be, would love to continue doing things. Uh, if I eliminated sleep, I would be doing things for myself. I would be playing mm. video games. I would be drawing, writing, doing random hobby things, probably spending more money, honestly, because no one else would be awake and I would be left to my own devices. I would finish games all the quicker. You'd win, I would, you'd win a lot of eBay auctions at 3 I would, Yeah, I would, I would complete <laughs> hobbies. I would go through hobbies all the more quick. And mm. then removing that chunk at the end of my life, I mean, we don't know how long we get on this earth, but those final, you know, you know, years, months, however, would be spent with other people and other loved ones, potentially mm. doing nice things for them, spending time with them, with them, helping to make other people's lives happier. And I would not have the opportunity to do that alone mm. in the wee hours of the night and morn. So, mm. yeah, for me, I think that uh, I would be more selfish during the nighttime and more selfless toward the end of my life. And uh, I feel like my time spent in the selfless mode with others is a life more fully spent. Mm, good argument. Good argument. Now, I could also play a little devil's advocate there and say, rather than spending your nighttime waking hours doing things for yourself, you could be doing things for the other people around you so that you know, for example, if you did all the chores or whatever and your family didn't have to do any of that stuff, then the waking time you had with them could be spent purely with them doing, you know, fun activities and stuff like that. That could I be I mean, my 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 house doesn't need to be my house doesn't need to be cleaned every night or, you know, you do dishes after dinner and it's done. Like you're talking, you know, 8 hours of Well, you don't have dirty sock heck? bombs going off in your house every day like I do, apparently. <laughs> I definitely, I don't know if anybody has eight hours of work a day to spend on their homemaking. Like, well, I mean, that's one example. I mean, you could what, be. Mowing, what the heck could I be doing? You could be mowing your yard. I'm really like selling it. The neighbors would love that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you'd have to do it, you know, with like a, a manual real mower, like something quiet. You know. <laughs> oh, you know what? You've Just convinced maximize. me, Brian. I've convinced That's you to, it. Go, to go push oh, my yeah. yard in the dark alone. Yeah. Right. Wouldn't that be a trade-off? <laughs> you can't even see. <laughs> you have lights, you know. I don't even know if this Night is vision? devil's advocate. This is more like just devil's, like, I don't I'm know what really you are poor, right now. I'm making a really poor <laughs> argument here. Oh, gosh. My what about you? Um, I don't know. You had a pretty compelling argument there, Drew. You know, uh, if I was thinking purely just for myself, I would be like, heck yeah, I would die at like 60 so that I would just live hard and just stay up and just get to do a whole ton of stuff. Especially because like those later years, that's when you got all, most of your health issues and all that kind of stuff. Like the quality of life is not 
as strong in some ways physically uh, towards the end of but your life. But that's when one, you can one pass can on. That's when you can pass on the most of your wisdom because you will yeah, have. Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the trade off there. Like I, you know, thinking about like yes, I would live more of my life, but I would live less of my kids slash possible future also i'll still be working here i'll still be working here ellie will be yelling at me and i'm gonna need you there to tell her to stop yelling at old man brown and to you know give him give him some patience it's not his fault he doesn't remember where he's going when he leaves his office like he's he's been like that all of his life you know (laughs) this is nothing new by that point ellie will have raised a coup she'll have ousted me by that point if she, depending on whether she brings Joseph along, she probably would because he's he's smart and he's, he'll he'll do whatever he asks her to do. So she would, he would come along and be her number two. He would probably put up for you and be like, "My dad hired him so many years ago, Ellie. Ellie, we can't fire Drew. He's got nothing else in his life." And, and Ellie would be like, "All right, but you owe me." Like she would make Joseph like die on that sword to, oh, to, to, to hold out for drew and, oh uh, man who knows where i'll be at that point but uh i'll be out mowing the yard in the dark probably <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A weird so, so scenario you, my kids are yeah. great i don't know what impression i'm giving of my kids here they're awesome but anyway well ellie ellie is <laughs> ellie's got some hustle that, that's 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 the truth oh she's got hustle she's got some fortitude i don't know where she gets it from but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty good. Okay, so yeah, I would I would reluctantly choose the option to live the longer life, but I would always I would always wonder what if mm-hmm. what if I had chosen to never sleep because I don't know. As we discussed before, I'm basically continuously tired. <laughs> so if I did <laughs> and if hungry. I could live my life and not be continuously tired, always and hung- sleepy and hungry, and hungry. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty great. But you know, lived a pretty good life so far, being tired and hungry. So I think I can keep it going. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> well said. All right. Thanks for that, Drew. All right. Let's now move on to... That was a good to, one. Let's move on to what's happening. All right, Drew. Nice. What's going on in your life, man? Oh, well, Brian, let's see. This Saturday is my son's eighth birthday, so we will what? be having a party for him. Yeah. Whoa. When did that happen, man? I know. Eight years. He was, just crazy. Little, he was just a little fart the other day. Like, I know. He's getting, like, I know. Now, now he's a eat. now he's a slightly larger fart. It's crazy. Wow. Crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you and I, we we remember being in third grade together. Like that's it's so that's, crazy that yeah, that's your, your son's now the age that we were when we like started having memories together, like yeah, playing on the playground yeah. together, all that kind of people stuff. throwing like, trapper keepers at each other. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah, we went to yeah. Apparently, we had pretty wild school, maybe in some Mm -hmm. way. I don't know. People sitting on pencils. (laughs) Um, God, poor kid. Um, Anyway, uh, so this is the first time we've ever actually let him have friends over. Not let him, but like you know, last year was like super COVID. Year before that was something else. I think we went to Disney World the year before that, so it just kind of worked out. But we said four kids only. Originally was three, but. You know, he really wanted that extra one. So we're doing just four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted a Ninja Turtle-themed birthday party. Hey. So, of course, I'm all for that. However, you go to Target, you go to Party City, wherever, there's not 
any Ninja Turtle themed like plates, napkins, cups, like no, no, in the little party section, yeah. nothing Ninja Turtles. Like that's hmm. not really, it's not really a thing right now. It's not really which, an in fr- yeah, that that franchise has like waxed and waned over the years. Yeah, but there was not a single balloon. That whole huge balloon wall at Party City, you know, yeah. not a single Ninja Turtle balloon. Like hmm. when has when has that ever been a thing? I don't like, know. I, I, for Ninja as long Turtles as I can remember, tra- they've gone through some transitions. Yeah. Like they've not only changed the franchise, they've like changed who owns the franchise and stuff like that it's it's it's, it's been it's been a rocky yeah. road for the turtles yeah so like right now like the the i had to you know buy some stuff on amazon unfortunately but uh, the, mm. all the turtle stuff was like a show called rise of the ninja turtles and everybody looks different it's like mm. Raphael is like the leader and he's got he's a snapping turtle all the different all the turtles are different breeds of turtle or species of turtle there's like a box turtle, a red-eared slider, a snapping. I'm like, why are you doing that? Their personalities are totally different. So I'm just mm. all crotchety about that. Like, these aren't my turtles, you know. These but, are the turtles from back in my day. Oh, man. So anyway, we're doing that. He's going to love <laughs> it. I'm going to try to make two pizza-shaped birthday cakes. So, yeah. Okay. I got not, white. I got, it's not that far no, they, off they, from a regular should, cake shape. They shouldn't be. No, no. It's going to be a regular cake uh, with white chocolate um, shavings as the cheese, just vanilla icing That's dyed cool. red for the sauce. And then I've got both uh, fruit roll-ups and uh, fruit leather for the pepperonis. I'm going to find out which one look, looks better. Fruit leather? I've never heard of that. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, it's like like compressed fruit in like a, uh, a flat bar. It's kind of like a, a flappy, oh. flappy fruit thing. Yeah, that, they... <laughs> I, they call oh, them fruit leathers. Fruit. Yeah, fruit leather. You know what like I'm talking a, about. Like a, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, those things. So we're gonna see it, the fruit. Yeah. The fruit roll up, Brian. I couldn't find a regular fruit roll up. I had to get one with tongue tattoos on it. What? So That's weird. I know it was all they had. So I, mm. I'm hoping that one side does not have tongue tattoos. So we we okay. shall see. Tongue so that that's tattoos? gonna be my bold adventure. I don't know, man. <gasps> that's gonna be this? my bold adventure for uh, for Saturday. Okay. Um, and then I did some journaling, so I was really excited to do that. Mm. Got out the old gardening journal from last year, um, put some pens to use over the weekend, planning out my raised bed. I use I have a 10-square-foot 10, 10 um, raised bed, approximately. Now, it's more like... Now, last year, you went ham on the gardening, and then you, like, completely abandoned it. Are you, like, renewed vigor, or do you have a different approach? Or, like, where is the, the inspiration coming from here? Um, well, I'm doing less than last year, but not by a lot. I did okay. last year. I did 10 square feet of my raised bed and then another 10 grow bags uh, on top of that. So I'm only doing okay. about seven grow bags this year, I think. Um, and okay. I'm only doing uh, crops that I know worked last year. And I'm only okay. going to do ones that I know that we will eat because last okay. year we I grew I grew some stuff that we just did not use. So mm. um, not not making those mistakes again. But, uh, yeah, I figured, you know, I'd do some cherry tomatoes, some regular tomatoes, and then a crazy tomato. I'll do one weird one weird thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was exciting, getting to use some pens and inks. That's been the, the thing that uh, has drawn, like, the cookbook thing and the gardening thing. Those have been what has drawn me into the journaling sphere the most uh, in the last year or two. So I've been really enjoying that. So uh, nice. it's kind of like a double whammy. I appreciate the planning, but I also appreciate the writing in one you know leads to the other as far as enjoyment goes so yeah that's been that's been my recent days i will update you as to the status of the uh pizza cakes and if you don't hear or see anything about them it means they were terrible and i don't want to talk about it thank you oh i want to see them more if they're terrible Mm -mm, no sir (laughs) that was really fun so is it going to be like a full thickness size normal cake or are you making it like super flat and thin like pizza 
I'm going to make it thin-ish. I'm not going to layer it because the it's just going to be yellow cake. So okay. um, the, the, like the outside... Yeah, the, the outside needs to be just kind of like kind of baked looking. Yeah. But you can't you can't layer it because you're gonna see the layers. Right. So it's gonna not be that tasty, I don't think. But the kids will love it. <laughs> like I mean, time. it's just it's just gonna be cake. It's not gonna be layered with icing. So you know, it's not gonna be oh, amazing. Yeah. Okay. So icing's a, I mean, some some people don't like. I mean, the it's gonna have much. it's gonna have you know icing on top, but it's not actually, on the yeah, sides. Shades, yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, well, we'll see. Yeah, they're they're yeah. not going to care. I, I actually, I went by a local pizza place and I got some pizza boxes. So I'm going to put it in oh, the fun. pizza box. So, yeah. That's cool. Look at you, super dad. No, in theory. <laughs> yeah, we just like bought cupcakes for our kids the last couple of birthdays. It's like, okay, we're not dealing with all this. But no, they're happy. Um, yeah, for me, I, uh, well, Drew, you know, I like to break your brain with some of the puzzles that I do. And uh, I've got one that I've been working on here. This is... Uh, Stop it! Yeah. I forget, the, not- I forget the actual name of this one, but it's a it's a double-layered... Um, I think it's called a... No, it's not a Gigatut Minx. It's something something in that vein. I, li- I literally... Giga what? What? It. Yeah, it's it's a very complicated, <clears throat> very complicated puzzle. Minx like, like a cat? Yeah, yeah. I'll have to, I have to look up the name. I should have done that ahead of time. But I, I'm not done with it yet. I've gotten it this far. So I have, like, just a couple of circles left. But I am, like... I'm stuck, man. It's very difficult to solve. The end of the puzzle is, of any puzzle is the hardest because you have to break everything to get it back there. I'm struggling. I'm so close, but I just for puzzles like this, these really big ones, this is where you get beyond where there are like online tutorials and stuff like that. So I am just like on my own with this one, trying to just apply everything I know from other puzzles to be able to solve it. And you basically just have to do it over and over again umpteen different ways but it takes like 20 moves to see if what i did is gonna work or not and then i it often doesn't so i have to move it all back and it's an arduous process but it's 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 fun i'm having no it's not no what you just said does not (laughs) equate to fun but yeah i did say what was fun about this puzzle too drew is i bought it and it was a it's what's called a diy kit puzzle so i actually had to build the entire puzzle first and then i had to apply all the stickers and then that I got to fun. mix it all up and solve it. It actually was kind of awesome. Yeah, that, that it's sounds not, it's fun. It's not a the, solid the solving... puzzle. It's like a face-turning puzzle. So there's like this whole like skeletal substructure that you like screw together. And, and it was so it was really cool getting to build it, actually. All right. Well, here's the thing, Brian. You say, you say at the end, it's fun, dot, 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 question mark. But the words you used to describe solving it were arduous, yes. hard. Yep. I'm on my own. Yeah. Like, like That's right. lost, <laughs> stuck. Yep. Like the, no, yeah. no, uh, yeah, but it's like it's th- th- like those yeah. words. Those words do not come together in any way to then say fun. It's a it's like a beautiful pain, you know. It's uh, what? Yeah, yeah. What's that? I don't know. It's like when you're like, I don't know. You're working on something really rewarding, but it's 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 challenging. It sounds like you're describing. It sounds like you're describing exercise, and that that yes, that's that upset. Is. That's it's upsetting. Like if you're, it's like if you're going for Ugh. a long hike, and you're like, "I want to get to this vista. It's going to be an amazing view." But every step of the way, you like snapped your shoelaces, and you stepped in bear poop, and you got oh, mosquitoes on you, and stuff like that. And you're like, these individual aspects of it are not fun. But right. I am. I am enjoying this journey. Right. I am alive. I'm. I am on this journey, 
And then if you can actually make it to the summit, you're like, wow, this is, this has all been worth it. Actually, okay. I, mean, I really, I really am enjoying it, but it is, okay. it is, uh, I mean, this is <laughs> the whole like Rubik's cube through puzzling thing. Th- every step of the process has been this way. Like it's challenging and difficult until you kind of learn how to do it. And then you're like, oh, you have this like aha moment where it kind of clicks I don't know. I had the same. It's a little bit like fountain pens. Like when you ha- don't have a lot of experience with fountain pens, you don't really know how to clean or fill them so easily. But then all of a sudden, you, like it kind of clicks and you just get how they work. And then it's just like you're. it's all downhill from there. You're like, ah, I'm, I'm over the hump. I know enough about these to get over whatever, you know, little challenges I might feel. And now it's like it's just mostly enjoyment. It's kind of like being, that with, with these puzzles. Yeah, being being completely serious, like I am, in, I am incredibly <laughs> impressed by that. Like every time I've seen one of your puzzles, it's it's been like it's fun. It's, it's fun. Well, no, I'm staggeringly impressed because I can't do, I can't complete a two by two. I've tried. Two you by know, two sure, actually is one of the harder ones for me. Well, I, I'm sure that I've, <laughs> I, I've I've even looked up tutorials, so, but it involves numbers and remembering them, and I am yes. very bad at that. Like, uh, like, like likewise so i have no, to i have to mm. do it enough until muscle memory kicks in basically and then like i have visual recognition and muscle memory that's pretty much that's like that's like it. me and that toy accordion i got like i learned a yes, couple things on exactly. there i learned the mario theme the yeah. some pokemon thing there aren't a lot of things online for toy accordions um <laughs> but but i didn't actually learn any music i don't know the mm. notes of any of them it's just muscle memory and i'm like yeah. am i learning music i don't feel like mm. i'm learning music this doesn't seem this you is have like, to put in like a few hundred more hours of practice to actually like learn it. It takes a lot of practice, like anything, like anything rewarding. Yeah, it, it, takes it just a lot feels of like it just feels like I kind of I kind of am not learning it if I'm only relying on muscle memory. It's like I'm doing it a mm. different way than it's supposed to be done. It's a weird feeling. I don't know. Fair enough. If you of do course, it enough to where you have the muscle memory, then you would you would then free up your brain to be able to pick up on other things that would help oh, you learn yeah, it better. You're probably right. Yeah, That's you're still point. you're still uphill on the climb in that respect. Yeah. yeah, you would you would get you would you would learn it more, but you know, yeah. one of these days I'll I'll I want to take some concertina lessons because I looked those up and yeah. really the toy, I, I've I've exhausted the toy accordion. That's the um, grown up version of the toy accordion, basically. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You but, could do uh, that. You could do that. You could totally I've, do that. I, I, no, I've looked. I just need to take lessons. I, I've researched it. Um, you know, learn the differences mm. between the two concertinas. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I could I could I could figure that out. I just need to. Mm-hmm. I've never taken musical lessons before in my life, so. Unless you count the violin in middle school, which I was bad at. Mm. That violin's hard. That is one of the hardest yeah. instruments to learn. They sound so pretty, though. Mm. When done right, yes. Yeah, not mine. Mine didn't sound pretty. Oh, <laughs> uh, goodness. Um, I guess on the show off, a little artwork from Joseph, actually. Ooh, he, he just surprised, let's see. He surprised me with this out of the blue. So he, in his art class... Is it something was, Sonic the Hedgehog related? No. This was really? A, this was a gift that he did with me in mind, which is wh- where I thought was extremely touching but i also thought it would resonate since you know everybody watching knows me pretty well um so he's like learning different stitches and stuff like that in his art class so he did five different stitching techniques which i was like i don't even know what you're talking about but tell me more this is great um so he can stitch better than i can officially so he made me this um for christmas he didn't get it quite done in time oh my gosh it's got you know the b for my name it's got a pen it's got a Rubik's cube in it and he boarded it all with blue and he's got all these different stitches and stuff. And I was just like, I was like genuinely blown away because he's, oh my gosh. you know, he's pretty single focused when he's doing artwork around like Minecraft, Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario, pretty much those three things. But this, he did like purely with me in mind. And I was like, wow, 
And he's like that working on it for amazing. like months in his art class. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So super proud. Oh, oh my God. Isn't I bet cool? you got all weepy. I definitely was very touched. Yeah. Oh, I would. Absolutely. Where oh, are you yeah. going to do with it? Is it going to go in your office? I'm going to hang it up somewhere. Yeah. I'm still deciding yeah. where I want to put it or how I want to display it. But for sure. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty cool. Um, that is immense. Yeah. That's so amazing. That's, that was pretty neat. Um, and then I have some uh, Brian's outdoor adventures to share uh, briefly, you know. Um, so I mentioned all the huge quantities of stone that I uh, got delivered. Well, I've actually spread most of it. So I've been on the tear. And, uh, Did you yeah. say it was tons, right? Uh, 66 tons of stone. God. Yeah, crusher run stone. So, yeah, I've gotten most of it spread. And I'm really glad I did because it's it's so muddy. I mean, you know, Drew, it's just it's just mud fest around here in Virginia. Um, and so, uh, I put stone basically in all the places that I needed mud not to be, um, as well as like building up the edging on my driveway and stuff like that. So I got all that done and compacted and all that kind of stuff. So it feels pretty good to have that done after months of, uh, working on that. And then, uh, the other thing that I'm doing is I'm I'm digging trenches in my mud because I have this one really swampy area that's next to this little creek that kind of runs through our, our place. But like there's a hill and then it doesn't flow directly down into the creek. There's like this kind of like little gully part before it gets into the creek. So it's just basically like a swamp in there and there's tons of mosquitoes in the summertime and all that. And I was like, this has got to stop. So it's super muddy right now. And I was like, well, there's tons of water anyway. It's going to be easy to dig. So I've been working on digging trenches to kind of drain the water out of that muddy area. But it's kind of ridiculous because I'm wearing like knee high boots. And it's like, I feel like in never ending story when he's in these swamps of sadness and he's just like getting like sucked down into the mud. I literally, I've literally had moments where I'm like, I might have to call Rachel to get me out of this because my my legs have gotten stuck in the mud <laughs> because it's so thick and so deep, like almost up to my knees. And I like I was able to slip my leg out of the boot, but I was like, I don't want to just like take my sock foot and go walk through the mud to get out of this. Oh, so God. I had to like use a shovel and dig my boot out of the mud and stuff like that. So I'm, I don't know. It's really gross and cold, but it's actually kind of fun, a little adventurous. I'm like within shouting distance of the house, so it's not like I'm in danger or anything, but it's just really, really muddy. And I'm like, boy, I feel really good doing this because I need to get this mud out of here. But I don't know. Brian's Outdoor Adventures. Wow. <laughs> Trekking through, you know, mass quantities of mud. It's kind of fun. Um, yeah. And then last thing I have is... Uh, I don't know, this is kind of random, but uh, Ellie like spontaneously wanted to do a game last night as we were finishing up dinner. She was like, let's play a game. It only uses your brain. And I was like, okay. Um, so I forget what she called it. She called it like the alphabet grocery game or something like that. So the game was you, you know, everybody goes around the table and you have to say, you know, I went to the grocery store and I got apples or avocado or whatever you say something starts with a the next person has to say i went to the grocery store i got you know yeah, yeah. apples and bananas so you go through the whole alphabet and each person that does it has to say all of the previous things that were done and you do it until you can get through the whole alphabet so it was actually pretty fun and i don't have like the best rote memory like that but it was really fun because what ended up we ended up doing was like kind of pantomiming the different things that we said. So it was like actually more interactive than I would have thought. And it was kind of a really fun, spontaneous little family moment there. So if you're looking for something random and entertaining to do with your family, maybe try the alphabet grocery game. 
And then I joked with them. I was like, let's try it again, but this time we'll do things from Home Depot. And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so you could pick anywhere. You could just pick like any anything and say, let's do whatever. If you're in a certain sport or if you're into whatever. The kid, you know, the kids might want to do Target next or something like that, or you could do you know, TV shows or movies or whatever, and just go through the whole alphabet. That was kind of fun. So anyway, that's uh, that's what we've been up to on the on the home front. Nice. Yeah. Um, we normally would be doing company updates here, but you know things have been kind of steady, so don't really have too much to talk about. So we're just kind of gonna skip over that segment, um, and we'll just head right on over to the wrap up. All right, folks. A little bit shorter today. We're not going to break the two-hour mark, but we're close. Actually, we always we we continuously redefine what shorter means. Shorter is less than two hours now, which yeah. is crazy. Oh my um, God. Well, I forgot we got BK segment to put in here too, so it's actually going to be pushing right at two hours. But anyway, let's go ahead and end this. Then we want to thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Give us you know future questions that you have, or you know answer the random things that we've asked you for in this one. Uh, definitely check out GooglyPens.com for all your fountain pen, ink, and paper needs. If you want to email us, if you're listening to the audio version. You can hit us up at pencast at gulepens.com. And my random fun fact to finish out today's pencast is that the hashtag symbol or the pound symbol, for those who remember push button telephones before there was social media, uh, is technically called an octothorpe. That is what that symbol is, a, is actually named, the octothorpe, which to me sounds like some kind of like cartoon villain <laughs> where's the octo coming from good question i don't know maybe it has like eight points to it or something i don't know no yeah it's got like eight yeah points okay it. i guess it does have eight points one two three. why is it called the octothorpe is a good question what, what the heck is a thorpe what does it mean thorple that's not a name octothorpe yeah another term for the pound sign that's what dictionary.com is telling me that makes Why is it called the Octothorpe? See, now you want me to look at it. It came about when the hash hit the phones. It's often thought that the hash key began its life in the undignified role as a function for signifying numbers over the phone on automated customer service systems, blah, blah, blah. It already exists on QWERTY type writer keyboards. Oh, this is really long. I don't know. Look yeah. it up if you're interested in. Octothorpe, it is, okay. It is called the Octothorpe. So if you want to okay. get fancy and throw that out at somebody, be like, hey, yeah, hit that Octothorpe for me, and they'll be like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> All right, everybody, have a wonderful week. We'll catch you on the next one. Right on.